Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, another week uh, and some significant news has happened related to COVID-19. Uh, let's go ahead and just kick off the show discussing that. Uh, Blake, I guess the headline really, 11 Florida athletes, and we don't know exactly which sports uh, have tested positive for COVID-19 since, uh, I believe, April. Um, and I don't know whether that includes April or is since April. Um, but 11 UF student athletes have tested positive. Blake, uh, what was your reaction when you heard that news uh, earlier this week? You know, not totally shocking, just since you've kind of seen it just around the you know sporting world of, you know, Teams having these, you know, type of, you know, COVID tests pop up as positive. So not totally shocking. Um, I think at this point, it's pretty safe to say that Florida has been uber prepared for this. You know, they've had all these precautions in place. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that that's something that's really going to put Florida super far behind the eight ball. I, I guess depending on how many of those guys are football, um, I guess is more in terms of like, you know, kind of identifying this with football. Um, but in general, you know, I think Florida's done a really good job, you know, kind of looking as a big picture of all 11, um, you know, so I think that they're going to have, you know, a plan in place and then, you know, they're going to be able to kind of attack this and, you know, kind of keep it contained and, and not, not let this spread, you know, throughout. I think that's where you start to get a little tricky there is if it starts kind of spreading and you having more and that number continues to go up. So I, I think for right now, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what goes there. Yeah, one of the more interesting questions that was asked to the uh, you know UF uh, athletic people that were on a conference call with us, you know, kind of from the doctor uh, trainer side, was you know what's what's a critical mass where you guys have to start shutting things down or have to you know basically shut down workouts and all that, and uh, they they didn't really have the answer to that question. Uh, that's kind of a play it by ear kind of thing, and I, I think you know eleven student athletes when you're talking. Uh, what probably close to 400 student athletes within the program. Now, obviously, not all of them are back on campus yet, um, but that's a relatively manageable figure, I would say. Um, you know, Blake, we had talked about it a little bit, uh, kind of behind the scenes before the the news officially broke from Florida. Uh, I was hearing, you know, from from one source that uh, you know a, a couple football players have been quarantined, you know, since the return. You know, something like five to six football players uh, have been out. You know, I guess I guess the real question for me is, is at what point does that start becoming, you know, truly disruptive to not just preparation, but, you know, if we get into the fall and we're trying to play games, what happens if there's 20 football players on one team, you know, that that test positive or, or at, at the very least, you know, you do the contract contact tracing and they have to be quarantined. Uh, there's just so many questions. You know, I think overall, you know, the sentiment in the college sports world right now seems to be a little bit more negative than maybe it was two weeks ago. Uh, certainly we still have time, you know, it's, it's only, you know, the end of June right now. Um, but we are getting into the point where, you know, decisions are going to have to be made pretty soon about what a season looks like, how you handle those types of things. And, and at least from my end, Blake, I, the answers still are not very clear. 
It's definitely not. And I think I read a story um, on the network side of 24-7 the other day that said uh, it was quoting Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner. He was talking about, you know, those decisions more likely of what happens in the fall will be made in July. And I think that's a good I think that's a good approach because I don't know there's really any reason in making these decisions now or even some of these decisions that were made early in the spring. I think it's something you kind of have to see the lay of the land. And I think July I think that's where you're starting to cut it close to where you know you're leading right up to fall camp. You're really kind of getting everything squared away for football. So I think that that's really kind of the timeline. I think it's a good idea to keep on that timeline because I think that if you're starting to get in August and you're still kind of dealing with a lot of numbers climbing, I think it's going to start to be a little bit more of a slippery slope there. Yeah, no doubt, and that's the that's the whole issue, right? Is you know the the way these things get reported, there's a there's a good bit of lag time between you know when people are actually positive and when they test positive, and then. Uh, you know, corresponding down the road into hospitalizations and death, you know, death rates, stuff like that. Um, you know, obviously we're doing more testing now, so that's a big part of, you know, seeing an increase in the numbers. But the the positive test rate, uh, you know, that's the real key figure that I think we need to keep an eye on. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, we're at the top of the peak right now. Um, I, you know, I don't know that the numbers bear that out at the moment, but, you know, we'll have to see over these next couple of weeks. Do the numbers start coming down again? Do they start plateauing? Uh, if they do, I think, you know, based on where we're at right now with workouts actually going on as these numbers are going up, uh, I think we could be OK. Um, but it's really going to take, you know, it's going to take these programs having, you know, kind of defined paths in place if, if we do have a surge or a spike. And, uh, you know, certainly that's something that everybody's wrestling with in light of, you know, UF now having some positive cases as well. Uh, Blake, I, I did want to talk, though, um, kind of more focused on uh, some of the offseason. We're, we're at that part of the summer where, you know, all these preseason lists and rankings are coming out. Um, the consensus right now in some of these uh, preseason All-American teams seems to be Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts. You know, those are the two that are popping up on almost every list. Um, what does it say about them that, you know, these guys are both getting consideration on some, some uh, you know, all-SEC first-team lists? Uh, I want to say College Football News put out one that had both of them on the first team. Uh, just in terms of what Florida's got to work with, with that duo specifically on offense. I think you look at last year and how deadly that duo was. I think that Kyle Pitts, I think you could argue that he's the best tight end in college football, if not one of the best in college football. So not really a big surprise there when you just see the sheer numbers that he was getting at a guy that's a tight end, you know, not really putting up tight end-esque numbers. And and I think that Kyle Trask really showed a lot last year. You know, you see a guy that you really just didn't know a lot about. He was, you know, a career backup for even time dating back in high school. And you just see the numbers that he put up. And I think not only the numbers that he put up, you know, spreading the ball around to different receivers. Mind you, Florida did have a really veteran senior led, you know, led wide receiver room. But I think you look into the same fact, too, that, you know, it wasn't a, a real big. It wasn't hard to game plan Florida last year. You know, they, they couldn't run the ball. Um, they really relied on Trask heavily in the past. You know, I think Mullen did a really good job of kind of setting him up in some of those, you know, get him comfortable throws and kind of let Kyle continue to get his confidence build up more and more. So I, I think that, you know, when you see what he put together last season, and, and mind you in the fact that teams knew that Florida couldn't run the ball, I think it's pretty impressive seeing how he returned um, in the landscape of the SEC. He's, you know, one of the top quarterbacks that does return next year. So I think that this is the year that he's really going to be able to 
you know, he's getting the recognition now, getting on these types of lists. I think a strong season for him, you know, putting up, uh, you'd hope for better or close to, or some kind of those numbers of last year. I think that that's where you can start to see Kyle Trask make some moves. Maybe, you know, have a Joe Burrow type, maybe, you know, maybe not a first round overall pick type of thing in the NFL draft, but you could see him be that guy that gets that one year or, you know, maybe those one or two years that really kind of shoots up, you know, from a draft board to where he was, you know, two years ago to now. Yeah, no, I think that he definitely has that potential. And I think, you know, when it comes to preseason recognitions and all that, I think part of it, particularly this offseason, is just that Florida knows what they've got. You know, I mean, Florida's not trying to break in a new quarterback or anything. Um, You know, contrast, for the most part, made really good decisions last year. I want to say 25 touchdowns to seven interceptions. Um, You know, could have had a few more maybe, but those are things that, you you know, you get used to seeing over the course of time and, and the more playing time you get. And I think... You know, he's certainly a guy that everybody has kind of circled as if Florida's going to take the next step. You know, Kyle Trask has to at least do what he did last year, if not step up his game a little bit. Uh, but, Blake, I, the one thing about Kyle Pitts, on the other hand, I think um, it, it's interesting. Well, really, both of these guys, you know, they're both basically going into their second year. I mean, for all intents and purposes, you know, uh, it feels like Kyle Pitts has been a stud for for a long, long time. But uh, going back to it, you know, 2018, Florida had those three senior tight ends, so Pitts didn't really play much. I mean, he only had three catches as a true freshman. Um, so when you talk about second-year jumps, um, you know, as, as high as we are on Kyle Pitts, I, I do think the ceiling is is considerably above maybe what we're even talking about, just because this is really his second full year. I mean, this is his second chance to uh, to really get out there and play every game, be a starter. Um, I, you know, I think certainly the future is bright. There, there was one other list, Blake, I saw uh, today, actually, and wrote about it on Swamp 24-7 because I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, Sporting News actually put out a first and second team preseason All-American list, um, and neither Trask nor Pitts were on that, and certainly you wouldn't expect Trask to be on there. You know, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC, but, you know, is he a top-two quarterback in the country? Uh, I think most people would agree that, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields probably fit into that. Um, so that wasn't as surprising. I was a little surprised that they left off Kyle Pitts. Um, you know, they, they went with Pat Fryermuth from Penn State and then Brevin Jordan from Miami. And, you know, both of those guys are obviously productive tight ends, but I think Pitts has the numbers advantage on both of them. Uh, but the most shocking thing to me was that Sporting News actually had on its second team preseason All-American defense, TJ Slayton. And my initial reaction was, uh, yeah, I mean, he looked, he looked good at the end of last year. I thought he was really starting to flash, but Blake, this is a guy that didn't even start a game last year. Like wh- what's your opinion on, on Slayton being a second team, all American. I was a little surprised from it too. And I don't know if that just has to do with the fact that Florida had such a disruptive defensive line last year. And you kind of put those things into account, just, you know, returning a lot of those key pieces. But I thought that was a little bit of a surprising move. Um, but, I mean, you look back to him as a recruit. I mean, this was a highly rated kid coming out of high school. So I think he had a big ceiling. You know, he kind of came in under, or excuse me, overweight. He's had to clean up his body throughout this. I think you've seen him kind of start to get the light bulb to turn on a little bit just his years he's been at Florida. And I think he, I think that this year I could see him turning that corner and having probably one of his better years that he's put together at Florida. Um but I, I was surprised, too, whenever I saw second team, just kind of knowing the layout of college football. Um, I mean, he's very athletic. You know, he's obviously shed that weight. So, I mean, this would be a year that he could have that step. But um, certainly a lofty preseason, uh, you know, putting him on that All-American list, at, at, at least at this point. Yeah, and I will say, man, if he plays up anywhere close to that level, Florida's going to be pretty pretty in good shape no on defense. I mean, Kyrie Campbell's a guy that I think we we really probably don't talk about enough in terms of his level of productivity. You know, had over 50 tackles last year. For a defensive tackle, that's that's pretty good, you know. And if if they can get Slayton stepping up next to him, and and honestly, what is his money year, you know, before the NFL draft, uh, that would be absolutely huge. Because 
Um, I think, you know, losing David Reese, we have some question marks at linebacker, and I, I think we've talked about them on this show. Um, if you have two defensive tackles that are playing really well and not just being, you know, very disruptive up front, but able to hold double teams, that really, really makes life easy on your linebackers. So uh, who knows? Maybe Sporting News knows something that we don't, you know, maybe they're, uh, you know, projecting based on that athleticism. But that was one of the things in the last week or two that, uh, you know, really stuck out to me. Blake, let's take a, a quick break. I know it's funny. We were talking on our last podcast uh, about some of the, you know, the areas in the recruiting class that Florida needed to shore up. And you had mentioned a couple safeties. One of them actually pulled the trigger literally like right after we ended the show. Uh, so I want to come back on the other side and we'll talk about what's been a busy week for Florida recruiting, uh, having landed three commitments uh, since our last show. Right on the other side of this break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, just before we took that quick break, uh, we were talking about, you know, Last time we hopped off the podcast, we pretty much immediately had a breaking commitment from one of the guys that you talked about. Uh, I believe that was safety Dakota Mitchell. Can you fill us in a little bit more on, you know, what you've seen out of his game and what that commitment does for the class overall? Yeah, you know, this was a cycle that Florida really had a big need in this in the secondary. Um, they had a great cornerback class, obviously landed some safeties last year. But when you look at the roster this year and you see how many upperclassmen that Florida has in that safety room, you know, you look at some of those guys like Trey Dean, Marco Wilson, um, they're going to have those types of decisions. Sean Davis, I believe, is another one that's going to have to make those type of decisions of what to do. Do you come back? Do you leave? So I think that at this point, Florida's going to have to they're going to have to be smart on the recruiting trail this cycle. Uh, off the rip, just looking at those guys that are going to be gone just because of their eligibility um, just brings a big enough need there. Um, Dakota Mitchell, I think he fits best at that star position for Florida. He's very physical. Um, you know, he's quick, twitchy, can kind of get those um, – you know, he can get those kind of speedy, twitchy slot receivers, but he's also, um, I mean, he's very physical, man. I mean, he, he is a missile, um, hard-hitting type of guy. So I think that that's one that's going to fit well into Florida, how they kind of attack, you know, how they'll send, you know, a lot of chaos there. So I think Dakota Mitchell is really disruptive. I think that was a nice get for Florida, um, continuing to kind of chip away at those guys in state. Uh, he's a former LSU Tigers commit. He backed off that verbal pledge. Um, I know I saw some reports that maybe LSU backed off of that commitment, and that's that's not the case that I'm hearing. Um, I'm hearing that he wanted to open things back up, and he, and he actually told LSU that he wanted to continue to be recruited. Mind you, that only lasted a couple days, and he ended up committing back to Florida. <laughs> I think Florida was where he wanted to be. Um, it was the dream school for him growing up. I think with their need in the secondary, he's close with some of the other guys in the class. I just, I, I think this was one that it was a little bit of a surprise at the time when he did commit to LSU. Um, but you know, committing to Florida with just how high he's been on them, that wasn't a surprise to me at all. Um, and I, I think he's a nice get for Florida. I think in the spectrum that he really fits into that nickel star position that Florida runs, I think he's exactly what they need at that spot. 
Yeah, and you, you know, you talked about it. Florida has a lot of safeties departing. I mean, you got four seniors on the roster this year, and Quincy Linton, Sean Davis, Donovan Steiner, and Brad Stewart. So uh, even if you you know don't lose any underclassmen, you, you have some serious need there. And we, we've talked about it a lot. You know, Florida obviously signed. Uh, you know, three safeties in the last class looking at it. Um, but definitely an area they need to continue to shore up, I would say. Um, Florida has done a good job at corner, though. You know, they landed four last cycle. And uh, Blake, shortly after Mitchell committed, we got another recommitment for Florida in Kamar Wilcoxon. Uh, can you can you walk us through what that crazy recruitment has been like? It actually has been pretty crazy. Um, he's This is his third overall commitment to Florida. Um, he committed to Florida back in his freshman year. I believe Florida was his first offer. If they weren't the first offer, they were one of his very first offers. Um, committed to Florida I, it was for a game last year. I, I can't, or excuse me, during his freshman year, I can't exactly remember exactly what game it was. But he committed then. Um, he had remained committed um, and actually backed off of that former ver- verbal pledge. Um, I, I want to say it was sometime last year, early part of last year. Um, had continued to communicate with Florida. Um, he recommitted to Florida for the second time. Uh, I think it was like a day or two after Friday Night Lights last summer. Um, continued to be recruited, or excuse me, continued to be committed there. Um, backed off that verbal pledge the second time. I think it was in March or April, something. It was earlier this year in the spring. You know, he had named Ohio State as a leader following that. Um, he had flirted with Alabama a little bit, um, and eventually. Uh, committed to Tennessee, which was a little bit of a shocker. Um, he committed to Tennessee, and it kind of got Tennessee. That's when they started getting, you know, a lot of commits. They started rolling, um, you know, kind of on the recruiting trail there. I believe their class is somewhere like top three or four right now, and a lot of those guys came after uh, Kamar committed to them. Um, Florida continued to recruit him throughout all that. You know, he had kept in touch. Uh, Tim Brewster, Todd Grantham, Dan Mullen, those were kind of the three main coaches that he continued to, you know, communicate with. Um, there was a little bit of a, a some kind of misunderstanding between him and Mullen at some point. I'm not sure into the, really the details there, but that was what made Kamar want to back off that verbal pledge when he did it earlier this spring. Um, continued to kind of talk things over. Florida kind of patched things over there and, and kind of got past just a little misunderstanding they had there. And he actually uh, flipped his commitment from Tennessee back to Florida for the third time uh, last Friday. Um, and, and he says this is it. This is done for him. Um, he's a guy that Todd Grantham really likes. It's in his recruiting area. Um, they like the the versatility that Kamar brings to the table. Um, as far as I know, that you know Grantham and him have talked at cornerback, moving around and playing some of that star role. I think the comparison, so to say, is, is kind of what they've done with Marco Wilson, Chester Kimbrough type of guys, to where he can play that man coverage. He's really lanky, and he excels in that press coverage, um, kind of getting his hands on guys. He's very physical, and he's smooth in his, you know, in his coverage. Um, but he's also a guy, too. Like I said, you could throw him at star. I think he's got the frame, too, if you wanted to throw him at safety, you even could. I just think just in general, you've got an uber-versatile player that can really slide around back there. Plug-and-play type, plug type guys, for me, are the ones that really excel because you can just throw him in wherever you need it. You know, Wherever you're going to make the quickest impact, you throw that guy in there, and I think that's exactly what Kamar is for Florida. Um, he says he's done this time, not talking to any other schools, so <laughs> we'll see how that, that was, goes, man. That but. Was- that was my question. You know, I'm going to ask is, is, I mean, is this it for him? Uh, you know, I believe it. You know, he's, he's recruiting for Florida. Um, you know, he's been communicating with some of these guys that, you know, have commuted to Florida, like, you know, Dakota Mitchell. Um, he's kept up with, you know, Jason Marshall, Corey Cole, your other targets for Florida, Xavier Sori. I think this could be the first guy that breaks that IMG Academy uh, curse at Florida. You know, Florida has not signed a guy in the entire existence. They've had plenty of guys committed at IMG, um, but they have actually never signed a guy at IMG. And I think for Kamar, 
Um, you know, I think just the way, you know, the trials and tribulations he's gone with his recruitment, I, I, he always finds his way back to Florida. He has a lot of respect for the staff. Everything, you know, it, it, there was a quote that I talked to him about whenever he did commit to Florida that, you know, for this this most recent time that, you know, co- uh, Coach Grantham had told him a lot of things um, and they all ended up being true and he just has a lot of respect for them. So, you know, I, I believe him. I, I think he's here to stay this time. Um, you know, when official visits open up, I think that's something certainly to watch because not not recently, but in the past, he has talked about wanting to take those official visits um you know ohio state alabama were some places he mentioned um but for right now he seems like you know he's shutting things down he's staying off of social media focused on his senior season and focused on recruiting for florida so i I think he's here to stay this time all right blake let's talk about the third commitment that florida has had since this last podcast uh i believe that is cornerback jacob young Jordan Young, yep, out of Tampa, Gaither. Um, He was at uh, Tampa Jesuit last year. He was teammates this past year uh, with Florida, current Florida freshman tight end, um, Jonathan Odom. Almost forgot his name. Sorry, Jonathan. Um, (laughs) That's a good spot one. So Jordan, um, he, he made the move to Gaither. I was actually looking forward to seeing him this spring. Um, I wasn't able to with just kind of the shutdown and everything, seeing him in a different environment. Um, you know, they ran a lot of zone coverage, and he's just a really physical, you know, man coverage, you know, really physical guy, and I think that that's where he excels at the most. So, um, you know, he's not the quickest guy. I think that might be the hit on him. Um, he's just not really quick. But watching his film, again, he's very physical. You can see the instincts that he has there. It's a guy that Torian Gray really liked a lot. Um, and he had just, he, uh, I think it was last summer. He took a, he did a camp at Florida sometime in June. That was when gray offered him just really likes his physicality back there. And I think again, you know, a common theme here, this is a guy that can move around in the backfield for Florida. I think, I think safety might be the best position for him down the road. Um, he could play some star. Obviously, he's recruited as a corner. He's a target at that position for Torian Gray. But, I, you know, just another guy that you can move around back there. You can kind of figure things out with just how how you have a need at safety. You know, you have it, every year you have a need. You're going to try to continue to fill guys at cornerback. But safety being that big need, I, I just I, I see no downside of a guy that you can kind of move around and figure out his best spot so you can make sure that he makes that impact. And I think that's what Jordan Young brings to the table for Florida. And I think we've seen Florida do that a lot with those guys that can kind of go either way and you, you just get them on campus and figure out when you get there. I mean, because looking at it, you know, the numbers from this class and the last class, which is currently committed, uh, you, you're talking about seven cornerbacks just in those two classes or, or what we've designated as quote unquote cornerbacks. Uh, and I think I think it's pretty clear, you know, even even though Florida's going to recruit some more safeties in this class. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I, I think some of those guys are probably going to have the potential to, to, you know, shift between either corner or safety, kind of figure out where they slot. Um, but, Blake, let's talk about that because I, I believe you put in a crystal ball prediction recently for another defensive back. Yeah, I did. I put one in today. Uh, he's a top 24 7, uh, top 247 guy. Um, he's a three star on the 24 7 sports composite still. Uh, safety Donovan McMillan. Um, he's out of Pennsylvania. I, I logged a 24 7 sports crystal ball prediction um, earlier today on Thursday for him for the, for the Gators. Um, I, I just think, again, you know, Florida's going to continue to kind of keep loading up back there in the secondary. Uh, he, his father is from Orlando. Um, originally, they have a lot of family still in the Orlando area. Um, again, with the big need at Florida, um, you know, these are guys too that really kind of preach. You know, the father and son really both preach on, you know, having a good shot spot to, you know, play football and you know get developed. And he, and also they're really high in academics, and that's something that Florida does push hard on the recruiting front. Just the chance, you know, their their big recruiting pitch is how they're top ten in academics and in football. Um, and you know, those are guys that continue to bring up just you know that aspect of the game. You know. Not only getting developed, but also getting your degree. And, you know, obviously these are guys that, you know, are trying to make a 40 year decision than a four year decision type of deal. Um, but while, you know, all those things, Florida, 
and I logged that pick for Florida, and I do think Florida will be the pick. Virginia Tech is the team that I think should still be kept an eye on. Um, I think that in the grand scheme of things, he's got a top five. Um, those schools being Florida, Texas A&M, uh, Virginia Tech, Oregon, and Oklahoma. I think realistically it's a three-team battle between A&M, Florida, and Virginia Tech. But I think even more deep down, I think it's a two-team race between the Hokies and the Gators. Um, he's was uh, Earlier this month, he did take a couple unofficial visits. Mind you, he wasn't able to meet with those coaching staffs when he was there just because of the shutdown and the dead period. But he did make a stop by A&M. He made a stop by Florida, and he made a stop by Virginia Tech. Um, so he really has an understanding for what those schools have. Mind you, he wasn't able to meet with the staff, but he's just continued to keep up with these coaches. And when you take these kind of visits, you're able to FaceTime with coaches and stuff. So, I mean, it does make it somewhat of, a, you know, your normal, typical, unofficial visit. You know, you take a, a virtual visit with Florida earlier in the, you know, in the offseason. That kind of gives you an idea of the sites in there. So, I think he has a really solid understanding for Florida. I think he's uh, close with the staff. You know, many of coaching staffs are on him. Kiwan Ratliff. Um, let's see. uh, uh Kiwan Ratliff is on him, Ron English, Christian Robinson, Dan Mullen, Todd Grantham. I mean, there are plenty of coaches that are, you know, continuously recruiting him. Um, I think a decision is going to come early July-ish. I think that that's something they continue to talk about. Um, the, you know, they're when you hear more and more interviews from them, they consistently are saying sometime in July. And I think that that kind of bodes well when I'm hearing on my end, too. Um, while I'm keeping an eye on Virginia Tech, I still feel confident that Florida will be the pick as of today. So I went ahead and logged that pick. Yeah, and I think, you know, given the focus that you just talked about, the Florida staff's putting on him, obviously a key guy left on the board. And like we said, that safety spot is still one that, you know, even though Florida picked up a commitment last week from one, uh, they still need to shore up a little bit. Blake, and I think he's any- a guy that can move around back there in safety, too. I mean, I think he is a yeah. true safety. You can put him at star, strong. You put him at free. Um, he's very physical. He moves well. He's actually a wrestler, too. So that's, I think, where you get that physicality from. And he's got that strong, you know, He's got he's a big body kid back there for a safety, so I think that he's one that can really bring a lot of a lot to Florida um, from a physical presence and from just the coverage ability. For sure, sounds like that would be a really quality addition if the Gators can land him. Blake, anything else we need to uh, touch on in recruiting? You know, nothing off the top of my head that really jumps out. You know, I think uh, at this point. Um, you know, Florida's kind of slowed down somewhat on the virtual visits. I think that, you know, just seeing how active they were, you know, having four or five, you know, a day with some of these kids, I think you've seen that. Um, so I think at this point, you know, Florida's been on a little bit of a run there, which has been nice, you know, in the secondary, which was a spot they really needed to shore up. Um, and going forward, you know, I, I think Donovan McMillan, if they can land him um, in July, would be a big get for Florida as they continue to kind of build off of this uh, number seven ranked class they have right now. Yeah, no, and we've talked about, you know, the spots are a little tight, so not a whole lot going on with recruiting necessarily, kind of the same situation in football. We're in those, you know, those summer doldrum months, but uh, that'll go ahead and do it for the show today, guys. We uh, thank you for tuning in. If you can uh, drop us a like or uh, a positive rating on uh, wherever you subscribe to your podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, any of those, we'd really appreciate it. But uh, until next week, guys, that'll do it for us on the Swamp 24-7 podcast. Thanks for tuning in.